Hello and welcome to Rhema Agape Kindros podcast. We are honored to have you join us as we share the word with you today. We believe this word will touch your heart, equip you to do what God has called you to do, encourage you to live out his purpose for you, and give you good food to feed those around you. Enjoy. I've been upset towards a person. So what we're going to do today is we're going to try and get rid of some of those elements that are abiding in our hearts. Because we want to get rid of everything that is not faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are the three things that must always rule our hearts. In my, in my relationship with my wife, I should be full of faith, hope, and love. In my relationship with my kids, with my parents, with my friends, with my, with my colleagues at work, with the government, always I should be filled with faith, hope, and love. If there's other things that are filling my heart, we need to get rid of those things. Today, now, now there are seven ways of dealing with, today we will only deal with one, hopefully next week we can deal with two or three because those are shorter, but today we want to deal with, uh, with the main one. They say you grab the bull where? By the horns, or by the tail. So that's what we want to do today. We're going to grab the bull by the horns. And I promise you, what we're going to do today is we're going to deal with one generational curse that you identify in your life. And you'll see that when we cast that one out, when we get rid of that one, many other things seem to, to, to fall into place in your life. I'm speaking from experience here. I've done this. And what's nice about uh, getting rid of generational curses, all I'm going to do today is teach you how to get rid of one, and you're going to get rid of the, of the rest as you go through the week or the month or the year, and for the rest of your life. As these things show up in your life, you will be able to deal with them, and you're going to use those four principles uh, how to deal with generational curses. Okay, so <clears throat> we're going to look at our first scripture uh, we found in Exodus chapter 20. I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to open up more and more things to you as we talk. I can't do the, the, the background to all this, and we, we're going straight to the point here today. Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 to verse 6. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Don't make for yourself graven images. We don't wear crosses with Holy Mary and Holy Jesus, and we don't we don't do those things. Not that there's a problem with images. You will you will know that when you step out of your left brain, if you've only been a left brainer and you start entertaining the right brain, there is place for images. In fact, the Bible talks about uh, us. Uh, putting images in our mind. Images are pictures, right? So because what, because we've been taught uh, something uh, negative about images and we see other religions making uh, statues, and so we say, well, all that is bad. It's not necessarily all bad. I don't want to go there, now come, please stay there. But now in this scripture, the Bible says, don't make any carved images for yourself. Verse five, right? the next verse. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. So if you go to a place, a religious place, and they tell you, especially if you visit some of the eastern countries and you're a tourist, 
They tell you before you go into this place, you've got to bow, you don't bow. Because the scripture says, we don't bow down to any graven images. Anything made of hand, we don't bow down. So make sure you don't walk out to your car. If you see a scripture in your car that you bow down, you throw your car and cry, because that becomes your image. And so we don't worship anything that is made by man. We only bow down to God. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. This is important now. Visiting the iniquities of the fathers, of the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, the Bible says this is a principle established in Scripture that God visits the iniquities, the punishment of the sins of parents up to the third and the fourth generation. So, that's why it's referred to as a generational curse. It is something that our forefathers committed but we are now suffering because of that. Now it's a principle that the sins of our fathers, general sins, general issues of their heart, can be passed down up to four generations. So everything that is going on in your life today is not necessarily because of you. It could be something that came down from great-grandfather. Are you with me? That's what the scripture means. So we want to deal with, we want to identify some of those things today, and we want to deal with those things. Now, it is not always sin as you and I understand sin. Iniquities is not only sin. You know, you can have hatred in your heart, let's say, to another race. Let's say I'm a colored man and I hate everything that is pink, right? <laughs> I find out very often I can trace it back to my grandparents and my parents. In fact, I found out when I started learning about generational curses, I used to go back home and investigate. I have some aunts. And if ever you want to do this, uh, aunties are the best people to consult with. Aunties remember every little detail about their parents and their grandparents. Uncles don't, right? But aunts do. So aunts will tell you, huh? Well, your grandfather was an alcoholic. Oh, the way he drank, the way he beat us up. Well, your grandfather, well, the way he hated white people. Whenever he's drunk, he used to sh shout and tell us about those poor land, you know. So, so it is good to investigate in your family some of these things that are showing up in your life. So this is a principle. God has visited the iniquities. He allowed the punishment or the pain to be experienced by up to the fourth generation. Next verse. Is that verse 6? But showing mercy, come on, look at this. But showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, this another, another translation says, but you'll be kind to those, up to a thousand generations to those who love me and those who have done good. So, all blessings that have come from our forefathers, don't stop on the fourth generation, they can go further down up to a thousand generations. Isn't that a good sign? It's a sign that the blessing is more powerful than the curse. A curse can only go to four generations, but a blessing can go to a thousand generations. So the, the, there's a good reason for us to deal with this because whatever good we cultivate in our lives, you can be sure that there's a thousand generations after you that will enjoy those blessings. So you learn to be kind to others, and you find out your children 
will learn to be kind to others. And you'll have a whole generation after you be kind to other people. You go into the ministry or you uh, get involved in, in the work of the Lord, you'll find out there's a good chance that your children may follow that. And yet your children's children, even up to a thousand generations. So I went and did some investigation because I noticed among myself and my cousins, we are many people in the ministry. Many people in the ministry. And when we trace it back, we say, ah, ah, there you are. There are some great grandfathers who my aunts can remember. They loved to pray. They loved to preach. Some of them were pastors. Some of them were missionaries. So the, the curse can only go to four generations, but the blessing can go to a thousand generations. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 2. One of illegitimate birth shall not enter the assembly of God, or even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants shall enter the assembly of God. What is a person of illegitimate birth? It means when a mother gives birth uh, to children, she's not married, uh, she was, uh, you know, maybe having uh, many relationships. So that person is born. That person is, is referred to as one who is born of illegitimate birth. The Bible says there, please don't ignore it. It says there that that kind of curse goes down to 10 generations. So that's the only curse that goes down to 10 generations. All other curses go down to four generations, but sexual sins, sexual uh, promiscuity, can go down to 10 generations. Now, how many people do you have if you count back 10 generations? They say up to a thousand. Because a thousand being my mom's parents, my dad's parents, my grandmother's parents, my grandfather's parents on my mother's side, on my father's side, my, you know, them to and it just. So what chance do you have of being influenced by some kind of curses, very good chance, isn't it? Mm -hmm. If you do the sums, because it says that these sins are passed down from our forefathers to four generations. Now, don't assume, don't, don't, don't think that your fourth generation behind you is just two people. It's not two people. Why do I say that? Because who is my generation before me, mom and dad? Who is the generation before them? It's my mom's parents and my dad's parents. Who is the generation before them? It's my grandfather's parents and my grandmother's parents on my mother's side, my grandfather's parents and my grandmother's parents on my mother's side. And so the tree just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So what are the chances of us being influenced by some curses from the general, general curses from our, our fourth generation is many. Because you, you don't even know that. So what we're going to assume for this exercise is that whatever is showing up in your life, in your heart, as a difficulty, negative energy in your life, we want to assume that it's coming from your ancestors. Alright? Because the scripture says, that iniquity is passed down to four generations. If it's sexual sin that is evident in your life and you're struggling with that kind of 
uh, lustfulness uh, or promiscuity or affairs or joining or things like that. If that is your issue, it could well be coming from anywhere up from 1,000 different people. You get the point. So we just, we are going to assume the scripture is true. We are going to deal with that kind of pain and iniquity in our lives, and we're going to deal with it this way. And I promise you, you are going to feel the burden lifting. You're going to know you are set free by the time you walk out of here. And I can only say this with confidence because I've experienced it myself. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 9. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for how many generations? For a thousand generations. So, while we're talking about the generational curses, we also want to be mindful of the fact that God is faithful to make sure that every blessing that has come from a forefather, a great-grandfather, great-grandmother, must come down to you. Because you are part of that line. Up to a thousand generations. You can have confidence if you are a parent or going to be a parent, that everything good in you is going to be passed down to your children. Amen. That's a given, right? God is going to make sure that happens. He's faithful God. He keeps his covenant to a thousand generations for those who love him and keep his commandments. Do you love God? Do you keep his commandments? Then you have this assurance that God is going to ensure that every good quality in your life is passed down to your children. Praise the Lord. I thought that was something worth celebrating. To know that. You know, our parents and our forefathers were not all that bad, right? They had some bad things. My parents were, my grandparents were alcoholics on both sides. And I went down, I questioned some of my aunts, and I asked them, please, are you sure? They said, yes. And when I look at my family life, my, my members of my family die of alcohol, literally standing and drinking and collapse, die because of alcohol. Now we didn't know about these things, about breaking these curses, now we do, and so we can help our family members and all those around us. But God is good, and the blessing is gonna come down to a thousand generations. Family, I just wanna give you a simple example. You know, there are countries like, there are countries that embrace a God-fearing kind of government. There are countries that don't. For example, you know Russia says there's no God. You know that America and the UK and Australia and Canada, those countries put in their constitution, in God we trust. On the American dollar they put, in God we trust, on the money. Then you notice that, and I'm not saying it's because they are whites and, 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 and whatever. I'm just saying, have you noticed that countries that embrace a Judeo, Christian-based government appear to be blessed. It's the truth. And you go to other countries, what they refer to as the 1040 window, where 98% of the unsaved people in the world live in that 1040 window across, across the globe. That's the Middle East and those countries where they do not recognize God to be God. Rather, they worship other gods. Those countries seem to live in war 
They live in poverty, forever fighting. They have this peace agreement and that peace agreement, but they experience no peace. And yet you can go to other places. When I was in Australia, I was reading the newspaper, and they said there is a crisis in the land. What's the crisis? The unemployment rate jumped from 3 to 4%. I thought, my goodness, come to Africa. <laughs> then you'll know what is unemployment. Here in our country, we are over 30% unemployed. Hey, that's a lot of people. Three in ten families have nobody working in the house. So countries that, em that embrace a God-fearing government, they, where they declare. You know, some people can, can laugh at Donald Trump. But you know, this is a guy who stands up and says, we must pray. The Holy Spirit must help. But you know, it sounds stupid to some countries. But you know, the guy, he, 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 in his stupidness, if I can call, I'm not saying he's stupid. But in what appears to be stupidness, he keeps promoting God. You know this guy, before he goes to sign, uh, you know they debate the bills and then he must sign the bill to say it must be, must go into law. They say this guy first calls a prayer meeting and he calls the pastors that you watch on TVN to come with him and pray. He says he must pray before he signs. So you know, you, you ask yourself, how some places are so blessed and some places are so cursed? Take it down to a family context. You ask yourself, how is it that some families are just so blessed? You go back to those families and you'll find out. They had praying parents. They had church-going parents. They had parents and grandparents who grew them up in the Lord, who loved the Lord. You go to other families and it's not like that. But you will you, you, you realize that even if you came from a family that was doing all those bad things, like I'm saying to you, I came from a family of alcoholics. At 13 years old, I was robbing bottle stores to get alcohol. I was a full-time drinker at the age of 13. When I, the reason why I got saved was because of alcohol and I was, I was getting involved in too much trouble. And that's what maybe steered me to salvation. But I can tell you that the day I got saved, I got delivered. Amen. Amen. So it's not to say this thing has just got carte blanche. It can just go as it pleases. No, we can't stop it. It can be dealt with. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 2 to verse 4. What do you mean when you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. So the fathers eating sour grapes, but the children are feeling the sourness. They're not eating the grapes, but they're feeling the sourness. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Behold, God is establishing a principle here. He's clarifying something. He said, Behold, all souls are mine. Fathers who eat the sour grapes and the children who feel their teeth on edge. All souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son. They're all mine. But look what he establishes here. 
This is the first time he says this. He says, the soul who sins shall die. What is he saying? He's saying here that what your parents have done will not lead to your death. It, you, you can suffer the consequences, but you cannot be punished for, you cannot punish death, be punished by death for their sins. For example, even parents are on drugs. Mother and father are taking drugs. And then the mother falls pregnant. Very often the child that is born is born with some kind of illness, isn't it? Why? Because of the influence of the drugs on the child. So those things are naturally, biologically passed down to the next generation. But you cannot say that because they sin, the child will die. The child will suffer the consequences of the sin that they have committed. So I thought that it's important to understand this. Don't say, see, I have family members, uncles and aunts who died. I have grandparents who literally sat and drank themselves to death, sitting on the couch, alcohol more and more and more until they died. That doesn't mean that because they did that, I will die of alcohol also. You get the point? So there was a rule, the, 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 the rule stands that when the father eats the sour grapes, the child's teeth will go on edge. But God says the soul of the son also belongs to me. The soul of the father also belongs to me. So when the father sins, he will die for his sins and not the son will die. So that helps to set us free. That helps for us to realize that God is a fair God. This is not an unfair rule that has been put in place here. How do we, how do we start addressing this? Then I come now to my point number one. We try now to identify some of these things that are in our heart that shouldn't be there. What should be in our heart? Love, hope, and faith. That should rule our hearts, right? First Corinthians chapter 13. But sometimes we find other things in our heart. I have somebody this week to deal with bitterness in their heart. And I didn't know I was going to help them, but we, we made an appointment to meet for coffee. We met at the coffee shop. And when he looked at me, I walked in there two minutes late. He looked at me like this. I thought this person should be happy to see me. Five years ago, last saw them. And he just started giving me all the bitterness. And you know, it was first me coming late, and then it was the government, and then it was his father, and then it was his sister rubbing him, then it was his children who don't obey him. And I just thought, wow. The Lord never sent me here for coffee, the Lord sent me here for your deliverance. And so after he spoke out everything, then I drew, I brought him to the generational curse. So the first thing we're gonna to do today is we're gonna identify what are the issues in our hearts. And what I want you to do today for today, I don't want you to identify ten. I want you to identify one. So let's say the, the dominating heaviness in your life is hatred. Maybe anger. Maybe rejection. Never dealt with you were rejected when you were a kid. That was one I had to deal with. Eight years old, experiencing rejection from a from a from a senior in my family. And that rejection was so deep in an eight-year-old. I grew up with it. I got married with it. 
I didn't know how to show appreciation for others because of that rejection that I experienced. So rejection may be something that's still heavy, heavy, heavy on your heart. Something you never ever doubted, something, something you try to cover up, but you can't cover these things up, they have to come out. Okay, so I want you now, just to close your eyes, and we're going to ask Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, move in our hearts today, and highlight for me, issue, just one, if maybe there's more, don't go more than two, highlight for me some issues that are heavy on my heart, heavy on my heart. Maybe struggling with alcoholism. Maybe it's sickness, right? Sickness, sickness, sickness. Year after year after year after year. A lot of sickness in your life. More and more tablets. Instead of getting better, you just get more and more tablets. What about pains? Pains in your body. No, no tablet can cure the pain. Just pain, pain, pain in your body. They even say things like asthma, heart conditions. These are coming on you, years, years, years. Right, amen. If you don't have one yet, I believe everybody's got one that you're gonna deal with. I want you just to write it down if you have a pain, just put it down somewhere because you're gonna deal with it now and I want you to celebrate your victory when you go home. So the first one is we're going to identify. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to confess. Now what we're going to confess, we're going to confess uh, three things. Uh, we're going to confess where it came from. We're going to confess uh, to God uh, the fact that we entertained it and we allowed it to come into our lives. Uh, but we're going to deal with, with that now. And for this, for this purpose, I want us to use our right brain more than our left brain. And I want us to use pictures. So if you can see moments, if yours is anger or if yours is rejection, uh, then I want you to see that episode in your life where you believe it may have come from. Uh, we, we've already established that some of, all of these things come from previous uh, generations. Uh, and so if you know that you are battling with anger, look at your parents, look at your mom and your dad. And see in your mom and your dad uh, where anger is strong or bitterness is strong in your life. And perhaps it has come down from them through uh, to you. And so we are going to deal with the confession. We're going to confess our sin, our own sin, and the sin of our parents. Then we're going to ask for forgiveness. We're going to ask God to forgive our parents for, for engaging in that kind and entertaining that kind of. Uh, sin in their lives. Uh, we can ask God to forgive us uh, for participating in the sin and then we're going to forgive ourselves. We're going to say, Mark, I forgive you. It's very important that you forgive yourself. And I want you to leave it here in the church, leave it under your chair, and when you go home, you're going to go home free. Okay, so that's how we're going to do it. Can I get your attention again? Can I get your attention again? Because the fourth one is the action, and we need to talk about the action before we go into the action. What is the action we, we, we are talking about? We, we, what we've learned, and we have found in Genesis, uh, Galatians, 
chapter 3, verse 13 and verse 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, because the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now, I really want you to get the big cross, but anyway, it's far there. But look at the small cross here, or there, the one that I've drawn there. The Bible says, Christ became the curse, and when he became the curse, he redeemed us. Now, when did Christ become the curse? The scripture says, because cursed is everyone who hangs. When Christ hung on the cross, he became the curse for us. Now, what does redeem mean? Redeem means he set us free. Christ set us free. When? When he hung on the cross, how? He took the curse upon himself. Why? Because scripture says, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree. Did you hang on a tree? No, you didn't, but Christ did. And when he hung on the cross, or on the tree, when it says the tree, it simply means the cross is made of wood. So the tree, the cross, when he hung on the cross, he took the curse upon himself. So where does the curse stop? The scripture says, another translation says, of this verse, it says, the curse is halted, is stopped at the cross. Okay, so we are going to take the cross today and we're going to put it between you and wherever the curse comes from and we're going to tell the curse to stop there by the cross. Right? Now to do that you're going to have to entertain or write a break because you're going to have to see yourself doing that. Where, uh, uh, the next verse please, 14. Now why does the curse, why must the curse be taken away? So what I did here on this illustration on my little uh, drawing here, I said that the cross separates the curse from the blessing. Look at this verse carefully. It says that Jesus became the curse when he hung on the cross. Verse, the next verse 14 says, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. Amen. We are the Gentiles, right? That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So, the cross stops the curse, but introduces the blessing into your life. Amen. So you don't only leave without the curse, but you leave with the blessing. Now, it's, who, it's which kind of blessing? It's the blessing of Abraham. We don't have time to go there. But if you can go back and read Genesis chapter 12, every blessing of Abraham is meant to come to you. You'll notice that the first blessing that God gives to Abraham is what? Is land. He says, leave your mother and your father's house and go to a land that I have made, I prepared just for you. I'm going to bless you, I'm going to bless your family, I'm going to bless your children's children, he said, and I'm going to, your, the, the, the seed of, 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 of your loins is going to be blessed, the whole world is going to know that your family is blessed. So, can you see what happens at the cross? The curse is stopped, and the blessing takes over. So, you see, when you leave rejection or anger at the cross, what blessing are you going to receive? If you were angry, and that's what you leave at the cross, 
When you step up to the cross and receive joy, happiness, love, what kind of, of, of uh, element must reside in your heart? Love, faith, and hope. So anger will be left and love will come. Amen? Amen. And you will notice that as you go through this week, you just become a loving person. And where you have difficulty showing love, try to teach yourself. Read books. How do I, how do I love people of another race? How do I love uh, children who are disobedient to me? You can learn how to love and it will come very easy because the curse is left on the side of the cross. Whenever you see a cross, the cross represents on the one side the curse, on the other side the blessing. Right? Just one more point before we do the exercise. One more point we want to establish is where does the curse enter your life? When did the curse of rejection, of anger, of bitterness, poverty, poverty is another curse. Where did that curse enter your life? When somebody said to you, I curse you, I just rejected this. I said, I don't accept it. No. The curses we're talking about here today is generational curses. That curse entered your life from the mother's womb. The, curse, the, the point of entry of a curse is in the womb. That's why what we're going to do as part of our action exercise, we are going to picture ourselves back in the womb. And when we are there in the womb, we are going to place the cross between the, the, the fetus, between us as little babies. Can, you, can your mind do that? Your mind can do that? You can't do that you can? At least say amen. So because the point of entry, because it's called a generational curse, it's coming, the point of entry of a curse is in the mother's womb. Now I'm not standing here and blaming mothers. I'm not blaming mothers. I'm just saying that if anything has come, mothers can deal with the point of entry from their side. But for the first for, for us who are who were born today. We have to cut off everything that was passed down, that came to us. Can you recognize any things in your life that come from your parents? Any waves in your life? Any negative energy in your life? You do? Nobody else? I tell you I did. And those are the ones I dealt with first. And I tell you when I dealt with those ones first, I found many other things coming right in my life. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to make a, we're going to take a picture in our minds, put a picture in our minds. We're going to see ourselves in our mother's womb, and we're going to put a cross between us and every curse, especially the one that you are dealing with now. It may not be your mother's fault. It may not maybe that she got it from other people and other people and other people before her. But they've been passed down to us, and so we are going to deal with that. So, can I lead you in this prayer? We are, are 9.30 now. Can I just lead you in this prayer? And then I want you to put the, the issue that you are dealing with. Can I ask us to stand? Can we just stand? Obviously, see this for the Lord. They are dealing with something that's going to be setting us free. Something that the enemy has held on to and thought he make a part of our lives. And he thought it's, he's having his day.
and today is the day. Because today is the day we deal with the generational curse, things that have been affecting us negatively in our lives. We're going to first confess You know that the things that we are dealing with are the negative things. So I want you to identify the negative thing and I want you to confess and say, Father, I come to you. I am sorry for. And you say what it is. You say what it is. Sometimes you can say it in a word, sometimes you can say it in a sentence. Just allow the Holy Ghost to deal with you in your heart. Because right now the Lord is listening to our confession. 1 John 1 verses 9 says that if we confess our sins, He hears us. And so God is in this place and He hears us. But I confess my sin. We name the sin. And then we say, Father, I confess the sin of my parents. Maybe it was alcoholism. Maybe it was violence, maybe it was abuse, I confess the sin and it's, it is a godly principle for us to confess the sin of others, it's biblical. So you confess the sin of your parents, now when I say your parents I'm talking about everybody behind you, uh, before you, confess that sin, confess the sin of your parents. You can even put a picture. You can see that violence, or you can see that alcoholism. You can see that picture in your mind. Father, I'm sorry for the way they drank alcohol. We're going to move on to forgiveness. Can we just forgive our our parents and our ancestors and say, Parents, I forgive you. Ancestors, I forgive you for passing down the sin of alcohol, the sin of abuse, the sin of rejection, the sin of hatred towards other races. I forgive you for passing down the sin of poverty to me. I forgive you. Father, I ask you to forgive me for participating in this sin. Father, I ask you to forgive me for participating in the sin of alcohol from a young age. Forgive me for participating in the sin of abuse, beating my wife and beating my children. Forgive me for the participating in the sin of poverty and enjoying it and embracing it and saying things like, I'm the black sheep. A half a loaf is better than none. Forgive me for participating in that sin. Now forgive myself. Mark, I forgive you. A lot of this wasn't your own fault. You didn't know. These things came from other generations. You didn't know how to deal with it. So I forgive you, Mark. You're not a bad person. You are made in the image of God. You're a child of the living God. Jesus died for you on the cross of Calvary. And everything that you suffered,
Everything that you battle with Jesus saw. When he hung on the cross, he took alcoholism away from the GPF family. He took poverty away as a curse, and he took it on the cross. If you can just take yourself into that picture back in your mother's room. We place the cross between ourselves and every curse that has come from previous generations. We place the cross because the curse is halted. It is stopped at the cross. And we stop every curse. And we command it as it hits the cross, it just dies. It just withers away powerlessly. No effect. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, you are set free from every curse that has come from previous generations. Yes, in Jesus' name, every curse must come to the cross. And as it hits the cross, the power of the blood of Jesus breaks its hold, breaks its power over your life, breaks its hold over your life, and you are set free. You are set free, you are set free. And the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of the Spirit of Christ, come upon you, come into your life. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you paid the price. Thank you, Jesus, that you became the curse for me that I can be blessed in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, curses being broken, curses being broken, curses being lifted, curses being stopped at the cross. So that you can be blessed in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen and amen. Come and just give the Lord a hand of praise, a hand of thanksgiving. Lord for your deliverance. Thank you, Lord, for setting me free. Thank you, Lord, that I will enjoy the blessing of the Lord upon my life. Thank you, Lord, that there is no curse attached to me. Thank you, Lord, that me and my family we are blessed. Thank you, Lord, that the blessing of a thousand generations begin to flow from me to my seed and to my seed's seed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of the Spirit of the Lord